Welcome to our Sunday online service. I'm going to pray as we get started going into God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would show us what your will is for our lives. We know your will from your word and we pray that this week you would show us from your word, each individually and as families, as a community, as a church, God, what the next steps are for our church and for us as individuals and followers of Jesus Christ. So we pray that you would, you would give that clarity to us this week, that your will would be done through us and in us. We say all this in Jesus' name. Amen. My name is John Mueller, the lead pastor at Sunlight Community Church, and we're glad you're here with us at our Sunday morning online service. We are continuing a series called Recalculating When Plans Change because a lot of plans are changing right now and we're having to recalculate what that looks like. For example, if you were trying to go to Disneyland in the last month, it's probably the only time you probably couldn't have gone. They're open 365 days a year normally. And so your plans have changed and you have to recalibrate what you're going to do. And so most of these changes are things that we don't like. Some of us do like it, and that's to the introverts. I know that some of you are really excited about staying by yourselves, but everyone right now is actually genuinely longing for human contact. And so as we're recalibrating our lives right now, it's important that we focus on what God's word says about that. So if you have our app, then you can click the link at the top of the feed of our app, and you'll go to the Version event. Maybe you're watching on one device, and you're able to pull it up on another device. Today we're going to talk about something that we all struggle with at some point. Maybe it's in our teenage years, or maybe it's something that we've struggled with our whole lives. Maybe it's something we're struggling with right now, and that's independence or dependence. In our culture, independence is treated like the ultimate end. Throughout history, from the Boston Tea Party, to the Revolutionary War, to the Civil War, to women's suffrage, to civil rights, to health care, to workers' rights... It, the list is really long. It just keeps going. We long for a cause to make us more independent. We want to be independent from constraints. We don't want to be restricted in what we do. We want to do things our way without anyone telling us what to do. Doesn't that just sound like a teenager? I mean, I'll admit it. When I was a teenager, I wanted to do that. You could probably ask my mom. My mom would say the same thing. This is what is being attacked right now in our country, our independence. And it's showing us how we, we've made independence an idol that we worship. We want freedom to buy toilet paper when we want, where we want, from the store we want, and it's got to be two-ply toilet paper. We, we do things like that, but we can't get what we want when we want, even if we don't need it. And guess what? We become irritated. We've raised independence so high in our world that we've made a culture that has created independence from God. Let me say that again. Think about it. Independence from God. That's what we've created in our culture. An author put it this way. Christians attend church. Right now, you're attending church by watching this video. They, they marry. They choose their vocations, their, their careers. They have children. They buy and sell homes. They expand their portfolios. And they numbly ride the current currents of culture without any substantial reference to the will of God. 
You know, further, further back, though, further back in history, St. Augustine said, love God and do as you please, because if you love God, you will do as he, he pleases. But we change that in our culture, and we say, do as you please and say that you love God. We have to remember that when we're loving God, we're going to do as he pleases. If the motivation for our plans right now is not the love of God, that will be no different than anyone else's plans that just chase money and power. James today is going to show us things we must not say and things we must say. And we, we need to remember this. Turn to James chapter 4, verse 13, with me now. James chapter 4, starting in verse 13, says, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? That's a great question. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then it vanishes. Let's stop there this morning and we'll continue uh, the passage in a second, but we need an adjustment of perspective. We need to start recalculating our plans to have an eternal perspective. In James' day, the, the writer of the book of James, traders and merchants would go from one town to the next. They would spend some time there and they would move on to a new location. And you may be asking what I was asking. What's wrong with that? Nothing is wrong with being an entrepreneur, but there's something wrong with assuming profit and God's will are one and the same. Parents usually have a desire for their children to have a successful career. For example, they may say something like, you need to get a, get a career that makes more money so you don't struggle like we did. You need to make a good living. But there's no reference in that phrasing to God's will and his provision, the fact that he's the one providing the living for people. And, so, and, and that's not, if you have heard that before from a parent or if you've said it yourself, it's, it's really easy to fall in the trap where God's will is on the side and then the immediate needs that you see are at the forefront and that's where we need to go to him about them. While well-meaning, when you say that, it might be one of the most destructive things you can say to your children. Because God has made them a certain way with certain gifts. Which is why our plans are not focused on the here and now. But our plans must be focused on eternity. They have to be focused on eternity. James here cuts to the chase. He's, he's really straightforward. We need to change our view of the future. We don't know what the future holds. Can we agree to that? Only God knows only God does. We can be so consumed with what's right in front of us that we lose sight of the spiritual realities of our existence. People here were acting, people here in, in James Day were acting as if plans were certain. We do the same thing. Before you say, oh, I don't do that, think about it this way. We put things in our phone on our calendar. If, if things are going to happen as if they're going to happen for sure, our vacation our weekend plans. You know what my weekend plans are? Quarantine. Quarantine. That's all my weekend plans are right now. But weekend plans, we still have them, right? We're going to mow the lawn. We're going to do uh, things in the yard. 
the hours we're going to be in the office, the projects we want to work on, everything is planned as if it is going to happen. How many things, this is a great question for all of us, how many things have you deleted from your calendar the past few weeks? How many things have you taken off that were taken off your calendar? Or maybe even future plans because you don't know what the future holds. We assume plans will happen without any thought of what God could do. Our decision-making, and we need to be important, important to know this, our decision-making, if we do that, is nothing more than practical atheism. We make decisions as if God is not going to intervene in our world. Our views on the future need to change. We need to recalculate. We need to rearrange. We need to know that life is uncertain, but God is not. When we are feeling uncertainty, it's not coming from God. It's coming from our circumstances. And so God is certain, but our, our life is uncertain. So our decisions cannot be made independent from seeking God's will. If we're following Jesus, we are dependent on his will each and every day. So our plans must be based on what we know about ourselves. We can't lose sight of what we know about ourselves. James tells us who we are here. If left to ourselves, we think the world revolves around us. It's very easy to do that. It's, it's simple, in fact. And, and from the point of being one to two years old until you go in the grave, you know that the world revolves around you until you realize it doesn't. And so James asks this question that I think is an important question to ask each and every day. What is your life? What is your life? Maybe I'll say it differently. What does your life mean? What, what is your life? How would you answer that? Imagine if someone was to write your biography. We'd all want to be something special. So what would the title of your biography be? What would the title of yours be? So think about this for a minute. Verse 14 says, what is your life? For a mist appears for a little time and then vanishes. Life is not only uncertain, it's brief. Last year, or this last year, I picked up two habits. These two habits I, I really enjoy doing. And so one of them is I get up to run every morning, almost every morning. Let's say I'm in a different rhythm since COVID-19 happened. But when I'm running in the winter, you see your breath for a second and then it's gone, just like a vapor, like it says in this passage. And then the second thing I've started doing is I drink tea most mornings. When I go to make tea, I heat up the water in an electric tea kettle that my wife got me and I really enjoy. It gets to the point where it's boiling and then steam is coming out and it disappears just inches above when it exits the kettle. So what is your life? The title of your biography could be something like this. Appeared for a short while and then vanished. Well, that sounds entertaining, right? Appeared for a short while and vanished. But the reality is we plan as if everything is incredibly significant when we're here just for a little while. Job talks to God, and when he's talking to God in Job 9.25, he says, my days are, a swifter, are swifter than a runner. They just flee away. Then King David in the Psalms says, my days are like an evening shadow, for my days pass away like smoke. They're just gone. 
But I think what is most important and the greatest picture of this is from Psalm 103.15, where it says, As for a man, his days are like grass. If you're from Indiana, you know it might look like snow one day and green grass the next. Didn't we just have that? It's the middle of spring and we had a snowstorm. We just witnessed it. We're here for a short time and then we're gone. There was a British evangelist that once asked an audience to raise their hands if they knew their great-grandfather's, great-grandfather's first name. Out of a group of hundreds of people, only a few raised their hands. We will be forgotten by our families quickly, but not forgotten by God. And there's hope in that. That is where hope is found. The world moves on from our exploits really quick. James is not saying don't plan, but he's saying we should be against planning that doesn't involve seeking the will of God. And in this time, we need to be seeking what God has for us to do and be. We're not in control of our, when our lives will be over. I could go to sleep tonight and not wake up. But we are in control of our search for the will of God. And that's what we need to pursue. Continue with me in verse 15 in James. James gives us what we should say here. Starting in verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is to sin. What James is saying here is we need to recalculate not just how we plan, but what we plan. Let me restate that again. It's not just about how we plan, but it's about what we're planning in the future. Our plans must be to follow the will of God. That is the the core of everything that we need to do. The planner in verse 13 is trying to make money. It's not just making money that's bad, but but it's that it's our priority and motivation. When our main goal in life is making money, we've missed our purpose in life. Does our planning look differently? Instead of independence from God, are we dependent upon him? Do we have the right mindset? The mindset of dependence on God is not just saying the right words. Even though this is true, for centuries, people have used the phrase, God willing, Lord willing, you know, for, for decades, I have heard the same phrase from older saints in the church where they say, oh, Lord willing, I'll be there. And I think they really mean it because I know that who knows what's going to happen today or tomorrow. And they're living this truth out. Planning on your own can easily be nothing more than just arrogance and more like the vapor that our lives are. We're puffed up with pride thinking we have it all together But when we plan quickly, we become atheists. Our plans revolve around our wants and desires, even if they don't align with God's will for our lives. So a phrase that needs to be at the center of all of our planning, a central focus of all our planning, if God wills. When we're planning for college, when we're planning for a life partner, when we're planning for our children, when we're planning for everyday activities, planning for vacation, planning for retirement... 
if God wills, I will spend my time on this earth with purpose, serving my king, my savior, the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. If God wills, I will wake up tomorrow with renewed excitement for that. If you noticed in that phrasing, it's God wills, then I will. When we act on the will of God, it's after we've sought it out. So it would be out of place the other way around. So let, let, me, let me put it this way. And maybe this seems a little bit odd. If I will, God will help me with my career. If I will, God will give me the desires of my heart, however evil they might be. This kind of mentality is a God gave me life mentality, but it's my skills, my smarts, my plan. That's the mentality. We need the heart attitude of if God wills, I will, not the other way around. It's first God willing and I will pursue that and follow that. There's a great example of this in the Old Testament. In the book of Daniel, this King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, he he really learned really quickly that this is true no matter who you are. He learned the hard way, and we don't have to. He was looking at Babylon's canals and their, their walls, and right in front of him was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, the Hanging Gardens. So he says this, He says, is this not great Babylon, which I have built in my mighty power as a royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? He thought all of this and he he kept thinking, I can be independent from God. But just as he says this, God intervenes in a most miraculous way and Nebuchadnezzar fell to his, his hands and feet on all fours and started eating grass It says like an ox, just like an animal. Nebuchadnezzar came to his senses later and God restored him. Let us learn from this that God's will must be the guiding force in all our decisions. Let us not be arrogant to think successful plans can happen without him involved. The people of God need to pursue the will of God. Which leads us to verse 17. And verse 17 has a very curious statement. It says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. And this leads to my last point. Our plans must be based on what we know is right. We must base our plans on what we know is right. That's all we can be expected to do. There's only two types of sin. Now you might be thinking... There are any number of types of sin, Pastor. What are you talking about? Well, I'm talking about this. They're sins of commission. Doing what God has said not to do. They're sins of commission. Humanity tends to focus on these. We focus on these. Do not do this because God has said to not do it. All cultures have some sense of the law in the governmental sense. But there's also cultural, social, and economic laws behind the scenes. God says, do not steal, so you don't. God says, do not lie, so you don't. But there's a much more insidious type of sin. This insidious type of sin that we sometimes move under the carpet. It's sometimes the elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about. Sins of omission. 
disregarding what God has said to do. This involves much more subtle things. Let's use James's example to not admit dependence on God in your business decisions, even though that is what we're called to do is admit dependence on God in those same business decisions. A sin of commission would be something like showing favoritism to the wealthy, whereas a sin of omission would be to not take care of the needy and the poor. See how it's easier to, to understand what a sin of commission, but it's harder to map out the sin of omission. You're omitting things that you should be doing. It's hard to put your finger on it because it's not an action. It's living a life of inaction. So think practically for one second. To say my schedule is full can be a sin. Isn't that a shock? My schedule is full. How could that be a sin? We need to make time and space for what God tells us to be. We can fill our time with any number of things and live lives of inaction towards what God has called us to be. So what does that look like? It means prioritizing time in God's word. It means spending time in prayer with other followers of Jesus Christ. In this time, it might mean video conferencing with someone or FaceTiming someone or Skyping someone. What, what priorities do we need to have? It means not leaving scraps of time for our spouses, for our children, for our extended family, for those in need in our community, for those in poverty. It means prioritizing, prioritizing what God tells us to be rather than just fitting Christian stuff in for a period of time after everything else. So we will never get to those things if we put them at the end. And so when God gives us a priority, it should go to the front of the line. So we need to recalculate what our priorities are. We need to recalculate what that looks like. How we can do that. Right now, there's an opportunity to be generous with those in our community. Some of you are still working the same job you have. You have complete job security and nothing is going to change in your world outside of the fact that maybe your kids are home and you found yourself being a homeschooler now. But you have just got a stimulus payment. And some of us, I know the first thing that we think of is how can I profit? How can I go on a vacation when this is all over? How can I da 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 da? Whatever it is. And maybe it's an opportunity for those of us that have lost our job, lost our income, to, for, for those of us in the church to help those with those needs. So instead of making plans after the stay-at-home orders lifted, live generously now. Find ways to help others. It might be dropping food off at church for others in between the two front doors. It might be donating food to the local homeless shelter. It might be taking it upon yourself to sponsor a free meal Friday in Angola. Or it might be writing a note to someone that you know has lost their job and just putting a grocery gift card in there. Whatever it is, this is an opportunity to be generous if you have the means to do it. So I'm going to ask you a few questions that I think are important to us. If, is God calling me to do something specific? To give something up? If he is, may we say together, God, I am willing. If God is calling us to go somewhere, 
and we're resisting? If so, maybe we say, God, I am willing to go wherever you tell me to go. Or maybe, and this is a lot harder, maybe God is calling you to accept a different role. If so, maybe, may we say, God, I am willing. May that be our cry as a church. May that be your cry as you're watching. God, I am willing, I'm willing to go, do, and be whatever you have called me to be. And I can tell you it's found in his word, what he's telling us to do. So what? So what's the big deal? Our plans must be focused on eternity for all time, based on what we know about ourselves. And we know we're not going to be here long. It may seem long. Right now, you know, one day to the next seems long because the stay-at-home order. But we focus on our immediate circumstances to the detriment of our eternal destiny. But plans that are from God are focused on eternity, knowing that we're only going to be on earth for a short time. We are longing right now for lives that are living for something larger than us. That's your eternal destiny. That's the thing that you need to pursue. Pursuing the one that gave us life here and for eternity. We can't forget about eternity. Our plans might be to follow the will of God, or must be to follow the will of God, based on what we know is right. You ever, have you ever been approached when you were a child and you realized, yeah, I know I did something wrong so you won't look your parents in the eye? You know what is right, but you didn't do it. And just like a child, we are God's children. And sometimes we're not making eye contact with God. We're not spending time in prayer. We're not in his word. Why? Because we're not doing what we know is right. Sins of omission affect us. Maybe even more than the things we commit. So the will of God, I can tell you this morning, is for you to be good, to do right, and to seek after him. God's will for your life has been revealed through his word. And when we know something is good, we need to do something about it rather than ignoring it. When we know there's a need, we need to meet it. This means committing to do right even when we don't have to because of social pressures or other outside influence. But it means just when we see the need, we meet it. It means we seek out the poor. We don't just wait for the poor to come to our door. We go out and find them. We need to be Jesus to them. So I have a choice for you to make this morning. And I'm asking you because this is a choice that we have to make every single day of our lives. Are you going to be independent or dependent upon God? That is the question we need to answer this morning. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you and we just ask, God, that you would create us to be a church that is completely dependent upon God. That anyone watching would pursue God for who he is, for the greatness that he has. That he's the creator God, the one that though we are like a vapor, wants to be with us for eternity wants to see his children in heaven with him together. 
And so help us to make plans that are for eternity, focused on what we know about ourselves. Help us to make plans that are, that are seeking God's will and plans about what we know is right. Help us to be a generous people as we pursue you, God. We say all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.